Hi, this is Steffi and welcome back to The Financial Fox, investing and innovation ideas with a twist. So in today's world, characterized by economic uncertainty and market volatility, it is harder to preserve your wealth and become financially independent. So what are the secrets for financial freedom? I asked this question to Alan Steele, founder and chairman of Alan Steele Asset Management, an independent financial advisor since 1975. Alan has survived five stock market crashes and his advice has been consistently proved successful, increasing his clients' wealth over time. Here is my conversation with Alan. I'm sure you're going to enjoy Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm very well, Stephanie. How are you? Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. <clears throat> so, listen, tell me what you have been doing. What I've been doing? Well, I've been, for the last 14 months, I've been in an office which normally holds 43 people. Um, and if on a good day, we might have 10, but on a, on a typical day, we've probably got five, perhaps six, and that includes me. So it's been a pretty tough time keeping in touch with all my colleagues. And uh, in terms of uh, work, uh, do, do you see a change in uh, kind of like a client uh, uh, strategy or need or, um, or maybe clients <laughs> come to you with kind of different uh, question? Um, well, the interesting thing was that um, I did a, I do a letter from Monusco, as you probably know, every month. And, and I think in the previous, not, the, not this month, but I think it was the last month, I talked about how, how to identify a trend um, because it's very important, I think, to try to find out what's a trend and what's purely coincidence or a one-off. And, and that's what I've tried to do over the years. And I used the analogy of being hit by a brick, if you, if you, if you read that piece. I said that if you're walking along the road and you and where you are uh, and everything's normally fine and then out of the blue you get hit in the back of the head by a brick and there's nobody there, it is a surprise. Um, it's a what it could be a one-off. It's certainly not a trend because it's never happened before. And then for some time you're pretty nervous and then once you relax again, another almost the same place another brick hits you in the back of the head and now you've got a conundrum you've got to say well is that just a coincidence or or is that a trend but you don't know it's only when the third brick hits that you know it's a trend and if you look at it's maybe a bad analogy but if you go back to my my life uh, as an advisor I, I became an advisor in January 73 and uh, nine months later the world came to an end in the October 73 crash which uh, allegedly was caused by uh, the Arabs uh, trebling the price of oil overnight and various other things. But, but it was a shock. Um, I'm nine months into the job and all of a sudden I've got to survive by somehow selling other things. And, uh, and then the next break didn't come along till October 87. Um, it was also October, funny enough. Um, and then you said to yourself, right now, was is there a similarity there or, or what? But you were not too sure. But when the third brick came along in 2000, you realised that, ha, ha, I know what's happening here and I know what to do next. Uh, so the same thing, of course, in 2008-9, you knew what to do next. And the same thing happened in COVID. 
you knew what to do next. And what to do next meant you, this was one that came right out of the blue. No economist saw this coming. This was a genuine um, black swan. But the, the way I looked at it was the more pain that I had, the more evidence there was that there would be a fast recovery. And so we wrote, we, we made sure that all our clients stuck to the knitting, that actually they embraced, they embraced risk, right? And then, of course, and we were right. We were very fortunate we were right. The question now is, given that all this money has been produced in a panic or printed, um, given that uh, a lot of it is actually being misspent not on productive things, but keeping people sitting on their bums in the house and things like that. Yeah. Given that that's the case, given there's a possibility of uh, inflation coming along, what is it you do? And, and to that extent, I then, you, you describe these, I think, as financial fox. I would say I'm an elephant because I never forget. And um, I go back and I think, what was it? What worked when it was inflationary back in the 70s and the 80s? Uh, because I can, you know, to, 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 to imagine that inflation might hit 5%, you know, that's, it, it could hit 5%. That's nothing uh, compared to 75, 76 when it hit 26%. And it averaged 14% for ages. So we have seen this before. Um, but what we haven't seen is what would happen with the bond yields so low, I mean, they're almost at zero. So when we go back the way and we said, well, what you could do is you could just buy uh, gilts at 16% yield and sit and hold them as interest rates fell again. And so on, that's not going to be an option this time. So I really do think people have to rethink this completely. Um, let, let me stop you here because uh, you, we are getting to the point, right, what is next? And uh, inflation rising, um, prices going up, uh, unemployment, we don't know, you know how it's going to figure out over the next few months. Uh, the dollar is losing its power and, uh, and it's, everything is like very chaotic and it looks like even the stock market is in, is in a bubble now. Uh, what what should what we should do next? What is actually is uh, the strategy to go through this uh, um, very strange uh, time and and actually find ways to invest that can actually preserve your wealth? Yeah, well, we we've got an old-fashioned way of doing this, as you may remember from I think five years ago when we had a chat in London or something, and we have this idea about building putting the funds into. Uh, picking managers that run funds of different sectors and different styles and then putting them into a football team. People, A lot of people laugh at it, but it actually works pretty well. Um, and uh, I was, I've, I've been looking at what we, what we own, who we own at the moment, what styles do they have, which sectors are they embracing, which sectors should we perhaps be embracing, what, should we be tweaking that team, should we be changing course completely? And I think there's a mix. And I used it in my letter from Omithco. There's a, a wonderful um, man in the past, a legendary investor in America called Peter Bernstein, um, who's written a few interesting books. Um, and his favorite uh, style is what he calls uncomfortable diversification. Um, and I think that actually there's never been a better time 
to embrace that. So if you think in terms of we don't know what's going to happen. That's the, the truth is nobody knows what's going to happen. We don't know if there's going to be inflation or not. We don't know if it'll be 5% or 10%. We don't know if it'll be deflation. Uh, we have no idea what what's next um, in terms of next technological breakthrough, Moore's Law and so on. But we can say that there's going to be incredible progress along the tech front, which has been driven, compressed into 12 months by COVID. So you've got a, a, a remarkable amount of stuff going on there, but you've also got the big picture You've got the people who are actually worried about their wealth who would normally have used a building society or a bank or gilts or whatever, and it's pretty obvious if inflation comes along, you know, they're going to lose money. Um, so they, you really have to think in terms. And so you go, I go back to the, the top managers that I've followed and the, the, the thinking that I've, the, the, you know, the research that I've followed over the last 20 years. And I go back and I sit down and I go, who do I want in my team at this point? Um, and I, I feel that um, a pretty defensive team would make sense, but we still need strikers. We still need people that score goals. You know, the, the Champions League final, I know you're probably not into football, but yeah. the Champions yeah. League final was won by people, the, 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 uh, the team with a better process. They had the better defence and they hit on the attack and they, and they won by a very small margin. And I think that's a good analogy. I, I don't think this is a time to go gung-ho or to change direction or to say, right, I don't think we should have our, the, the core people that we've had. I think we should dump them and we'll just go and put more into that direction. So on. this is a time to be, to think carefully about what you're trying to achieve. And I think what people will want over the next five years is not to lose money and, and to make a and to but to increase the wealth if possible above inflation. Okay. And, yeah. When 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 we think about these defense uh, defensive uh, players and uh, you know the um, the one the, on the on the attack uh, and maybe about the sectors that you think are more defensive, can you maybe give some indication of what does it mean for you a defensive assets, for instance, and what would you classify more like as a risky? But the, a risky is not really risky. Is the one on the forefront really that you have to score? goals? Well, it, the funny thing is, I'll, I'll answer that in a funny way. Um, I was asked um, within the last six months, I was asked a question. I was asked, if you could pick only two fund managers that would give you a good defence, uh, but simultaneously give you the opportunity to score goals and make money, which two would you pick? That is a really difficult question. And um, for you, I've, I've uh, for a long, long time admired, and we have admired here, a man called Sebastian Lyon. Uh, Sebastian Lyon was chosen to replace Ian Rushbrook at Personal Assets Trust, as an investment trust. Um, but prior to that, he, he's, and still, he, he runs the Troy Trojan Fund. And, and that, to me, he would be a perfect defender um, because, or goalkeeper. Um, in this situation, because consistently over the last 10, 
20 years, consistently, he's, he's produced about a 7% return. Uh, not all the time, because then, then he would go, well, you know, what's going on here? But, but that's the average, and he's hardly ever lost money in any one year. Um, and then you look at, you know, Sebastian always thinks that the world's coming to an end. And, I, you know, I, I love that in a defender. I want somebody who'll stay uh, in their goals and try and defend. But the interesting thing about his, his, his style is that he likes gold. He also uh, has um, a thing too for index-linked securities like gilts, index-linked gilts or or dollar or whatever, but index-linked uh, uh, bonds. And he also is drawn to the top top quality equities worldwide that tend not that tend to be defensive in a down market and tend to be pretty good in an up market. If you see what I mean. So I would think he is. It's a style like that that I think would be perfect for somebody who's a really cautious. I think that's a great style. And then on the other side, of course, there's somebody like Terry Smith. Um, you know, we found Terry Smith very early on when he launched he launched Fundsmith. Um, we were early adopters, um, and um, it, it's our um, it's the biggest uh, striker fund that we we own. And to me, that would be a, fant a fantastic combination because Terry goes for about 30, maximum 35 top global businesses that he thinks have got a fabulous return on capital and, and a defensive quality. Uh, and I think that would be, it's a very extreme case, but if you're only picking two people, there's two people. Now, what you can do is build a team around them with the same principles. And that's exactly what we have right now. Okay, that's a very interesting, uh, uh, very interesting point. Uh, listen, let's talk a bit about tax because uh, obviously one, uh, uh, one of your expertise or is also yeah. to advise people how to um, organize uh, organize themselves in a way they can maximize, uh, you know, on, on tax. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so what would you, um, would you be your strategy and, and how you help clients to kind of uh, um, invest money in a way that has got some tax advantages? Well, keeping it very simple, um, the, the, to, to, to create the best possible tax-efficient structure for one's retirement, I think you, you start 25 years earlier. It's like, the, you know, it's like the Chinese that said, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree 25 years ago? Um, we encourage people to look at the long-term aspects of tax planning. And, and uh, that came from a, a very... I keep reading books, as you know. I, a long time ago, I read uh, the... Cecil Northcote Parkinson's, the Parkinson Laws, I think it was written originally in 1957, something like that. And uh, he wrote an update 25 years later, which I got hold of. And I think it's chapter four in that book. It, it was all about, I think he called it the Cheshire Cat, which means nothing to me, but somebody in there, maybe one of your listeners might know what that's referenced to. But in, in, the ch in chapter four, I think it was, he referred to the Cheshire Cat and it was a reference to tax planning. And what he said was this. He said, 
that the UK tax system was designed to tax capital. It was designed to, cap to, to tax income when you were living and capital when you died. And so the objective of a tax planner would be to reverse these, to try and create only capital when you're living and only income when you die, and then that way you would avoid tax. Now, that's a, re a really fascinating possibility. It's, it's obviously almost impossible. But it did get me thinking in terms of how do we shelter people when they are earning money from the higher and higher rates of tax because I was, I was an advisor in the 70s when the highest rate of tax was 98% income tax, was 98% in the pound, right? Wow. So, uh, and, I th and uh, death taxes, which was then called, uh, well, it was originally state duty and then it became capital transfer tax. It went up to, uh, I think, 75% in uh, a pound. So being able to do tax planning is really important. So it's very quite simple, really. If you actually, if somebody's sitting there already with money invested, then what they should do is sit down and pretend. I, I use this kind of analogy. I say, like, throw everything you've got into a barrel and then let's take the things out the barrel first that have got the most tax-efficient structure. So... You know, pension, you know, you take pension, and that works really well because you get tax relief at the top rate. You get, although albeit today you can't put that much in, but, but you can still put quite a bit in. Um, it, it gives you more or less tax-free growth. You get tax-free cash uh, where at the end. Uh, and if you die before 75, it all comes out tax-free uh, to the family and it avoids inheritance tax. So that's a pretty effective thing. So let's take that out. Let's look at what you've got. Let's see what we can maximise from that and then go back in and say, right, what's next? And a very simple thing could be next, and that's ISAs. You know, or, or they used to be called PEPs. But I invest, you know, ISAs are, you, you can put in £20,000 each per couple and um, stick it in there and pay and effectively grow it tax-free by certainly growing it capital gains tax-free. So that makes a lot of sense going down the line because when you get to older age and you want some tax-free income, you can just draw out your ISA. Now, these things will be very will be better depending on what investment structure you've got, clearly. And then you keep going. Uh, the next thing might be a bond structure, like an investment bond structure. You might take that out because it's taxed in a different way. So what you're doing is you're building alternative little boxes of, of monies that are taxed in different ways. And you might want to use venture capital trust to get some tax-free income and, and some tax relief and so on. So it's really that kind of thing you do. And there's no easy, there's not one answer for one person or for everybody. It, it will vary depending on the ages, the risk ratings, the attitudes, the wealth of every person or family. And that's what we do. That's So when we get, we've got clients that have been with clients for a very long time, and then they get to retirement and you say, right, well, how much money do you want to spend next year? And they'll tell us. And we'll say, right, we'll take it from there, there, there. Um, and it, and that's, it, that's, that's how we do it. it. It looks to me it's a very holistic approach to financial planning and very customized depending on, on the person. What are the key questions that you ask to a client when it comes to you? Um, well, one of the things, what I used to say, actually, and, and people say that, because uh, I don't give, I don't see clients anymore. I'm 
I'm actually the I'm the one that does all the research and looks at looks for the structures and the sectors and um, and rights and does any marketing and so on. And I I'm asked my opinion by my troops as to what should I do here or have you seen this before? So because I've got a very good memory. Um, but what I used to say to people was, um, when, if they were coming, I would say to them, "Does financial independence mean anything to you or not?" Would you like one day to be financially independent? And, and by that, what I would mean is that you could get to a point where you no longer had to work for yourself or for anybody else or whatever. You were completely free to do what you wanted financially. So the question was, does that mean anything to you or not? Is it a goal that you would like to achieve or not? Because if, if you don't want to achieve that, there's no point coming here because I can't help you. Um, and if they said yes, then we would say right. And then we would work out what that financial independence would look like. At what point would it be? What level in today's money would it be? Net of tax, what would it look like? And would they, would they, once they got to that point, were they happy that that would diminish or stay the same? Or would they like to have their earning, would they like to have that quality of life going higher? And once we got all these answers, I could then tell them what the goal was. And then we would assess where they were, and then we would work out how best to get from there to where they wanted to go. And it would be a multi-year experience. And every year we would sit down and review, and that's what that's that's the way we've done it. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, uh, that's great, and also it, it seems it's very um, there is a lot of discipline and a lot of work in building these things together with a client. What what about you know we we see many private investors that they try to to become financially independent themselves in just a few years. You know they go on the stock market and yeah. you know in GameStop and uh, and uh, many other things uh, they just go up and down what would you say or and how do you see this uh, side of uh, the coin which is not a disciplined journey together but it's more like right I'm gonna go out myself I'm gonna make it I'm gonna do it I'm smart enough um how do you see that uh, well, I'll answer in a couple of ways. One is that a lot of our wealthier clients that also like to keep some money, um, to, 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 they call it to play with, huh? um, and then that's fine. So they say, look, you, you look after all that, you do all that. I would, if you don't mind, I'd like to keep this bit back here and, and I want to do my thing in the markets. And I go, fine, I carry on. Uh, they call that fun money, by the way. Um, I can tell you that... Uh, well, less than one in a hundred would actually, uh, it would work. Most of them come to me after, most come along a few years and say, listen, hey, just have this because I'm making a complete arse of it. Um, I, I keep getting it wrong. Because it's, there's two things they've got to get right. They've got, to get, they've got to buy the right thing at the right price. And then they've got to sell it and get out at the right price. And then buy something else that's better. So there's three things. That's not easy. Um, it's not easy and it's not easy for people like Terry Smith and for, for fund managers that have been in business for a long time they don't find it easy and yet people think you know I mean they may as well do their own their own heart bypass operations um, it's, it's not that easy uh, the, the others are of course the people who are 
come into some money and uh, because of all the apps that are around nowadays and social media stuff and so on, uh, they they have uh, decided that they are going to do their own thing and it's, it's very easy and they will not even have any money with people like us. They won't even talk to people like us. Um, I wish them I wish them luck because they might be thinking they're doing really well, but all of a sudden it can go wrong. And I'm sure you read the story. There was the story of, uh, was, it, was there this Chinese chap that was worth 20 billion? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he was worth 20 billion one minute and the next minute it gone um, because he was leveraged up to the hilt and he was in the wrong things. Um, and then you look at something like Tesla. I mean, Tesla has been an amazing business and, and Elon Musk is clearly a genius. But Tesla got to a point not that long ago that it was worth, it had a capital value allegedly more than all the other car manufacturers in the world added together. Now, when you look at something like that, you think, hmm, that doesn't make sense. And of course, I think since then it's fallen by a third in value. So these things can happen. Anything that looks like too good to be true, I usually think it is, doesn't stop you having a, you know, having a, a bet on something. I mean, you know, maybe I should have a few years ago just thought, well, I'll stick a two or three thousand pounds in, in Bitcoin and see how we get on. Um, because, you know, or, or somebody who's got a few million invested, I mean, they can afford to lose 100,000, can't they? And they can say, well, I'll tell you what, this seems like a, a bit of a whiz. It seems to be doing pretty well. I'll stick 100,000 in it. And if it goes completely right back to zero, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's not fun, but it's not the end of the world. But it is the end of the world if that's all you've, if you've got all your eggs in the one basket. Exactly. I think that's a very important point. Uh, listen, a few, uh, I would like to pick uh, your brain on uh, uh, gold prices and silver. Um, what do you see happening uh, uh, this year? You think uh, um, we are going to see gold uh, getting stronger and uh, perhaps uh, being the destination of uh, more investors trying to um, edge against uh, the volatility? Yeah, yeah, it is possible. It's interesting that when it's in the headlines, Steffi, and the, uh, if you remember, it was about nine months ago, It was yeah. the headlines were full about gold is now going to fly up to $2,500 and it's going to go... You remember these? They were, it's actually gone backwards since then. Um, it's, uh, it was, I think, over $1,900 at the time. And it's gone back. Uh, we didn't, fortunately, I didn't, I thought about it at the time. And then I thought, no, I'll just wait. It's um, sitting, it's back down again and the pressure's gone off. But I, I, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, I mean, I've got, because I own a big slug of people like um, uh, Sebastian Lyon and Sebastian's got gold and I've got another couple of funds that have got gold in it. I leave it to them to get on with it, but I don't think it would be a bad idea to buy uh, to, to buy a, a gold ETF or a or a gold uh, fund uh, just now. Silver, of course, if gold goes up, then the past will tell you that silver would go up by more because right. it's more, it's more volatile. Yeah. Um, but I'm not an expert in this in that area. Uh, but I'm, I'm just making that point. But I would also make the point. That in 2011-12, um, I was asked uh, by um, 
Ian Cowie, who you may have come across. Ian Cowie at the time was at the Daily Telegraph. And, and at the time, there was um, a lot of noise about gold was going to hit $3,000 and $5,000 and so on. And, um, and he got in touch with me. He was writing an article about it. Um, and I'm sure it was 2011. And he said, what do you think? And I said, well, um, I'd, I'd, I'd had a look at the sentiment numbers on gold and a few other research numbers. And it seemed to me that the, uh, it was the wrong, there was too many people who were too pro-gold. Uh, there was, it was like, it was the highest rating there'd been ever. And I said, well, to me, it would appear to me, I would think it's more likely to go back to 1500 before it goes any higher than that. And I got a lot of abuse at the time. I got people wrote to me and said I didn't know what I was talking about. But that's exactly what happened. So we have to we have to just draw back a bit and think, when have we seen this before? Mm. However, this is these are unprecedented times. There is huge amounts of debt. Um, you know, there's a, every chance interest rates could go up or spike a bit. It might go just a quick spike or it might be genie out the bottle. We don't know. But it wouldn't do any harm to have a bit of gold, oblique silver, um, as a backstop. I, I don't think it would do any harm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go 100% into it, but I don't, I don't, I don't think it's not, a, it's not a bad idea if somebody said, oh, I'll tell you what I want to do, Alan. I'd like to take 10% of my pension fund and put it in a gold fund. I, I, I'd go, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we talk about gold, uh, uh, the new version of gold, uh, uh, which has been called like that, Bitcoin. Uh, mm. would, you, would you allocate Bitcoin as part of the portfolio of some of your clients? Well, um, we, we've talked off the record on this. I, you know, I always said that I don't like advising on something that I really don't understand. And, and nobody's ever really been able, they've always said, oh, this is the new future and so on, but nobody's been able to explain why and how. Um, it's clearly been a phenomenal success if you got in early. Uh, it's incredibly volatile. Um, I mean, for it to go down 50% in a matter of weeks, how many people can handle that? Um, people can't handle that in the markets when it comes to dot-com fund. I mean, how many people stuck with Apple when it fell, when it did in 2000? Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard one. What I can say is that I buy some world-class research from America um, a guy who uh, is a kind of oil and commodity expert. And he had a model portfolio, which he sends along uh, every week. Um, he updates every week and says, this is what the mo what, how much would be in bonds and how much would be in equities and where it would be. And uh, until recently, he had 8% in Bitcoin. Until this week, he's got it at 0.5%. Yeah, that's a major change. Now, not necessarily. It's not necessarily right. We'll, we'll soon find out. But that's a major change. So, you, that tells me that in the big institutional side of things, there's been a sudden change. And um, and I always used to say, follow the elephants. If they, you know, follow the big institutions, follow their money flow. Because if you if you know where their money is flowing next, you've got a fair idea of what, what they really fancy next. And it just seemed to me that if that's the case, there is suddenly um, a negative reaction to Bitcoin. Okay. 
Uh, Alan, thanks on that. The last, uh, the last things I wanted to ask you is there's been uh, uh, lots of uh, um, comments about the end of the petrodollar and uh, obviously with uh, uh, the dollar losing power, China rising as uh, perhaps the next uh, powerful nation. Uh, would you see the current system to actually collapse sometimes near the future, or you think that in somehow the US is going to manage to keep the dollar afloat and, and actually manage to go through this period and strengthen um, his, his current position? That's, a really tough, that's, a, that's really tough to say. All I can say is that when when the dollar, uh, the pound dollar was like 119 and everybody at the time, all the experts were predicting it was going to go to parity. You remember that? It's not that long ago. Yeah. Um, it's within a year or, 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 or so. But when it got down to about 119, we made a decision based on what we could see in terms of sentiment. We made a decision that we should uh, use the uh, hedged funds, the US hedge funds instead of US dollar funds. Um, and we switched, and the difference has been, has been phenomenal. And uh, uh, so we we got that call right. I think the dollar. Um, I just think this is too powerful a nation, even with Biden as the president. It's, you know, the America, the 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 businesses, the the, the creativity and business in the states is still number one in the world, and you would think that. Um, Whilst the dollar might continue to weaken a wee bit, I don't see it collapsing. Um, as to China, you, we don't know what's coming out of China because they, they lie all the time. So, you know, I mean, they manipulate numbers, so you really don't know what's going on in there. Uh, I can tell you that the research we're getting, if somebody's looking for a kind of out-of-the-way out of tip that they might not have thought about in terms of parts of the world, there's, there's a, a, apparently, allegedly, more inflows of foreign monies coming into the UK than there have been for over five years. And the UK, UK companies, sectors, small caps and so on, are grossly undervalued compared to history. Yeah. So to me, the surprise wouldn't be, you know, everybody's talking about China and things, China or the US. I think the big surprise it would be to be overweight in the UK, especially in small cap. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do agree with you on that because we got the Brexit first and then we got it by COVID. Uh, so the, definitely the, the market, the economy has got a double hit and it was it was a nice, uh, something that the US didn't have. They had all the tech, they, you know, they got the Nasdaq through the roof. So. Yeah. Perhaps you're right. Perhaps we are going to see some uh, interesting star arising. Well, I'm going to. Uh, I like small. I like UK small caps, and we've got one or two funds that we really like in there. And um, we very, very much like a man called Ed Leggett who uh, moved to Artemis um, about five five years ago from Standard Life. He's an outstanding manager, um, and and one of the top funds that we have for our clients. Since um, the, uh, the the low point of um, 20, 2020, when it was 23rd of March 2020, when the world was coming to an end, um, his fund is one of the top funds, uh, which is a UK fund. 
Um, and he's a value guy. And value, of course, has been out of favour for so long. Yeah. So, you know, I I would tend I'd rather stick to that kind of thing, to be honest, than 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 go overweight on something like crypto or gold or whatever. I would rather follow these people that we followed for years and we've watched, we we track them and so on. And and I think they're there'll be less downside, let's put it that way, if you've got the right kind of managers. I think they've got if you're trying to preserve wealth, then you have these kind of managers in the value sector and so on, and you've got a wee bit of gold, you've got a good goalkeeper. Um, I think uh, if we were talking again in three years, if I'm lucky still to be alive, I would I would hope that what I would just said has been the right thing. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we're definitely going to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself, I'm, I'm ancient. Well, I, Alan, I think I think you are going to be here. You know, we are all going to be here. You know, mm. it's, it's just going to get better. I, I'll hold you to that, Steph. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. Awesome, Alan. I, I think it was a fantastic chat. So thank you so much. I will um, I will wrap it up, and uh, and then we are going to get it out. Okay. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Time has come to an end. And I really hope that you enjoy this precious advice from Alan and this very enjoyable conversation. It was illuminating for me and I hope it can help you as well. If you're not subscribed to the channel, please click the subscribe button. And if you have got any comment or any suggestion, don't hesitate to contact me on social media, send me a message and I will get back to you. Have a great week. This is Steffi from Financial Fox. Mm-hmm.